Alright, alright, welcome to the first episode of the Slightly Above Podcast, and uh, Happy New Year's, <laughs> I guess I'd say. Um, I mean, by the time this is released, probably it might be after January 15th, but for me it still at least feels like a new year, like the New Year's. Um, on a personal note, I spent the early part of January in New York City, yeah, you know, the Big Apple, and being a Bay Area native, um, the last serious time that I spent in New York was maybe around 15 years ago. And I remember that the city, at that time at least, it seemed dirty, as opposed to the Bay Area, which seemed clean. Uh, wow, wow, has that totally changed. Um, I'm not sure if New York is much cleaner or if San Francisco is much dirtier. That's probably more of the case, but you know, the flippening has happened and it's not even close. I mean, New York just seemed a lot more clean and a lot more safe getting around, and I had a great time over there. But anyhow, let's get started. Um, what is this podcast? So this podcast is really about getting the little things right in your professional life, and also as it rolls over into your personal life. Um, we're hoping that we can help entrepreneurs plan and execute um, in the complex business situations that they're in, and make the best of things from early on in their professional lives. It's, you know, back in the day, 20 years ago, when myself and my partners, we were starting this, we didn't really have a lot of guidelines for, for how to act. Um, but it's a new time, and that was then. We, you know, we barely had smartphones, or we didn't have smartphones. We barely had cable TV. We're hoping to give back. We approach this whole series and this whole podcast as our way of giving a little bit back. Um, to the next generation of entrepreneurs. This is the first episode of a series that we're calling Automotive Insights. During this series, we're going to do a deep dive into the automotive software space, which happens to be a place where my former business partner, Josh Blick, and myself, we spent many a year working in that industry and, and building a business, eventually um, exiting in the space and selling that business to a larger company. So the topic of the first episode in this series is going to be a deep dive and exploration of NADA, the event. I'm going to grab Josh, who is the former CEO of Dashboard Dealership Enterprises, along with a collaborator of ours, Jacob Gomes, who will help keep us on topic. So stick with us and you'll gain some insight if this is your first time attending the weekend show of NADA. I believe it falls on the weekend of February 14th of 2020. Um, if you're an entrepreneur looking for some tips on how to navigate and explore and get the most out of the event, I think this talk and discussion will be really helpful for you. All right, let's pay some bills. The sponsor for today's show is Innovate On Demand, an offshoring company with focus on the automotive space. In particular, the engineers and business analysts are geared towards automotive data. They live for that stuff, man. <laughs> uh, whether you are a small company that needs help navigating complex data requirements for your customers, or if you're a dealer that needs the info and can't get consistency with data or products, Innovate can help you. That's Innovate On Demand, www.innovateod.com. When you're ready to innovate, we'll be ready. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, I wanted to start off the discussion by talking about an event that's coming up 
in about a month from now. So mid-February 2020, uh, we'll be hosting NADA in Las Vegas. Uh, NADA stands for National Automotive Dealers Association. And typically, this is the automotive industry. Dealerships from all over the country are there. About 10,000 dealers will typically show up. That's about uh, two-thirds of all the dealers in the United States are at this one show. A total of about 50,000 people uh, will typically go there. Um, and vendors throughout the, so- throughout the automotive uh, software industry will be uh, displaying all of their new technology and their services to the dealers who are walking through a usually large convention hall. Um, it, it also brings in people from the insurance industry, um, CPAs, marketing, advertising, um, all over the spectrum that, that service the whole dealership industry. It's a very fun uh, show. Uh, usually you'll have um, political leaders show up like Hillary Clinton or Mitt Romney or George W. Bush uh, to do headliner um, speeches. Um, it's a great a great place to meet people, to network, and for the dealers to figure out what's new and exciting uh, in the automotive industry. Uh, it's been around for over 100 years. I, th- I believe the very first NADA was in 1918. Um, so it's been around for a long time. And it's the purpose of it is, you know, you probably are, you heard National Automotive Dealers Association. Uh, it's actually a group of dealers that created a consortium you know, over 100 years ago, uh, and it's to basically maintain the the industry dealership franchise model the way it is, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's created to sustain that. Um, and they'll have these annual conventions. Um, they started off pretty small um, in the you know, in 1918 all the way through today. Uh, but the last 10 to 15 years, it's gotten much bigger. It's gotten corporate, um, huge sponsors, and it's basically the place to be in the industry. Mm-hmm. And William, if you'd introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. My name is William Page. Um, I've been an entrepreneur and a software producer um, within the automotive space for about the past 20 years. Um, I've had the fortune of attending about... 15 of the last 15 um, NADA shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that qualifies me with kind of a unique perspective from from a small business as, as how to operate and how NADA works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just say that, you know, kind of on a, on a more humorous note, um, going back 15 years ago to what NADA was, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was sort of a you know, a guy's culture, if you will, with pool tables and monster trucks and, <laughs> you know, women um, wearing bikinis on the, on the show floor, a lot of Booth uh, girls. that old, that, yeah, sort of that old kind of business mentality. Yeah. And I think that as, you know, as, as technology has taken, gained a foothold mm-hmm. in the automotive space, you've seen a shift um, to a more savvy um, dealer operator and dealer owner, mm-hmm. um, especially tech, from a tech perspective. Um, and, and just going forward, you know, it's, it's really become a tech showcase, mm-hmm. whereas in the past it was maybe more about services and some other things. I think it's a huge tech showcase nowadays, and, and I look forward every year to going. I mean, the original purpose of the show was to solidify <clears throat> the dealer's hold on the monopoly yeah, yeah. Of the dealership market. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and maybe uh, as part of the, the what is it all about, it really is a representation of the ecosystem of 
um, the automotive industry as a whole. And as it's as you guys have already pointed out, how it's progressed. Mm. Uh, where before it was a very it was a gentleman's club. It was you know rich people getting together that owned stuff you know and and really just sharing their stories. To now it's become. Uh, a marketing event it's become you know like oh you have a need you'll find a booth for it there uh, as part of a dealership in particular yeah and i think that you know what, what's really important from a small business perspective is this is the show yeah if you're allocating any marketing budget or you're allocating your resources to bring on business mm-hmm. you have to be at this show and this show can really make or break your year depending on how it, how it goes for you so i would say that no matter you know no matter what the past of the show was today you've got to be at NADA and you've got to have your company represented in a small booth or large booth. Yeah. Um, but you, you've got to spend your money here and you've got to um, establish your name and reputation. At- I'm Josh Blick um, and I'm the former CEO of Dashboard Dealership Enterprises, a small software firm. And we were involved in uh, dealership reporting and business intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we ran the company for about 15 years, William and myself. And uh, we eventually sold the company to CDK Global, one of the large DMS players. But um, during our run of about 15 years, we saw many an NADA, and Mm -hmm. our years, our sales years, would be based on this show. Uh, Just this three-day period um, would be completely dominated um, by our need to make sales. And it's not like we didn't make sales the rest of the year, but this show we would collect the leads that we would use for half the year to make sales. So you wouldn't necessarily make all of the sales in one day, although that would be nice. Um, that was that was kind of a, um, you know, a joke people would always make about signing people on the floor, mm. right, signing contracts on the floor. People would come to this show. Uh, it's, almost like, um, it's almost like the Chris... Well, right. And, and actually, I, I wouldn't mind diving into that perspective a little bit as far as, you know, like, uh, obviously you have the dealers, the dealerships that show up to go to booth to booth. They're the ones who are kind of, you know, res, um, looking at the products as they are versus uh, from your perspective, which is a vendor and really having a booth. But I mean, I bet you there was a long, a few times you went there where you didn't have a booth. Yeah. The first few years we went, we, we were a company trying to sell our products and our mm-hmm. services. We didn't have a booth because we couldn't afford it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe we could afford it. We just chose not to pay for it, mostly yeah. because of the unknown uh, quantity about whether we were going to sign clients or not. So we started off just walking the floor, meeting people. It's a networking event at its heart. Yeah. So uh, you don't need to have a booth, but obviously all of the most successful companies in the industry have a booth. And the larger the company, the larger the booth. Some of the Booths are humongous. Yeah. Like Cox Automotive, for example, has like their whole owns floor, a right? third of the entire floor. Yeah, you yeah. can't get away from them, right? Yeah. But we, we, um, we really had a a goal in mind for NADA, and it was always to meet as many dealers as possible and get their contact information because the dealers are there; they're there to buy things. So yeah. this is the one time of year that the dealers take off their dealer hats. And they put on their shopping hats. Yeah. And, they, and everyone knows that. So mm-hmm. getting to them while they're there, you're competing for their attention. And, you know, when I was doing the shows, I was very aware of this fact. So it actually put a lot of stress on the vendors who are mm-hmm. displaying in the in the booth. So some some people would get quite animated about trying to lure, get, get people, attention. lure the dealers yeah. to their booths because there's 500 
vendors yeah, I mean, we've cooked seen, bait of its day. Well, we, yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. we've seen it all. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, people bringing in rescue animals. Oh, wow. Right, to, to okay, get people yeah. towards their booth or, you know, anything. Uh, Cookies? Using AI, using holograms, using all these crazy, yeah. you know, um, methods just to get the foot traffic, right? And, and yeah. it can be difficult as a small business to compete against, like, the Cox Automotives of the world or the CDKs or the Reynolds and Reynolds mm-hmm. because, you know, their budget is 100 times your budget. Yeah. And they're going to u- utilize that budget to get, get the foot traffic. So you really got to go in there with a compelling um, value proposition for the dealers because while they're there to spend money, um, they're there also to look and see what's cutting edge and see what's, you know, what's new and exciting in the space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're going to spend that, that limited amount of budget that you have as a small business, um, you've really got to have your, um, you know, have your shit together. Well, at that point, I was actually going to say that you might even be, you, you might need to do even more pre-work, you know, because yeah. uh, part of NEDA isn't even just the showcase in the showroom itself. It's the uh, the little meetings that happen, you know, once the show starts, uh, after it ends, the meeting, you know. It's the, really, a, it's, a, it's like walking a fine line because you want to be in your booth and you want to present your product. Mm-hmm. But there's also, uh, as Josh was mentioning a little bit a little while ago, it's a tremendous networking opportunity. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, you know, maybe the best customer that you ever got from the show wasn't on your booth or as you're presenting the product to them on, on a big screen, perhaps you met them, um, you know, at a bar afterwards at an after party or at another event put on by one of the larger vendors. Mm -hmm. Um, there are a lot of different opportunities to meet, um, really powerful, influential, and also, um, smart automotive professionals. Well, and that brings up something that's very unique, I think, about the automotive industry, which is everybody knows each other as far as dealerships go in in so many ways where, you know, um, meeting the guy at the booth might not even lead to a sale there, but he might know somebody who's like, hey, you know, I know somebody who was asking me about what I do for this, and and you might want to talk to them, and then you can get, you know, interactions that way. But also, I mean, this year it's in uh, Las Vegas, which... There's so much ground to cover. I mean, you know, anyone could be anywhere in Las Vegas. It's, it's interesting. I, I would say that if you're looking at the cities from that, I, there's a couple of reactions that I have to that statement. The mm-hmm. first one is when you're thinking about the, from the city perspective, I think that is the challenge with Las Vegas. Because when you're in New Orleans or you're in San Francisco, there's a limited number of places where people are going to be. Yeah. yeah. When you're in Las Vegas, there's just a lot more venues and clubs and, and different hotels where people would be. So it's a little more spread out. You're not going to get like... It's not going to be very fast for you to interact with like a large section mm-hmm. of people outside of the, the showroom floor. Yeah. Um, so in that way, um, I think some of those other cities can be less challenging because it's just less um, of a sideshow. Yeah. You know, which, there's which more is, people in Las Vegas. There Typically, is. it's 20, 20 mm-hmm. to five, 25 to 30 percent more people will well, just show up, which and, makes it compelling. Yeah. And before we, we change uh, top what we're going to focus in on, uh, Josh. You have probably done more uh, foot trafficking as far as emails and the pregame uh, than than yeah. anyone else. Um, what would you say are like some of the biggest successes you saw from doing that versus things that you should just avoid? Well, we you know we nac- we actually were frequently guests in other other companies' booths for a mm-hmm. long time in our careers, so we got to see. We got to see, you know, the the two different worlds of, of the booths and how to get people to the booths because we were with uh, some larger organizations who had a booth as well. And the, the interesting thing about NADA 
is it's kind of its own little society. So you have these giant booths like the CDK Global booth or the Cox Automotive or the NADA booth or one of these larger mm-hmm. companies. They're huge, the yeah. booths, right? You can walk endlessly in their booth. They have 100, 200 people inside of them. Yeah. They have the thickest carpet. They have coffee. They have drinks. Yeah. They have everything. Open bar. You yeah. Know, some of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then you go to the, the outskirts of the convention hall, and there's these tiny little rows of these tiny little booths that are maybe, you know, five, five or six feet wide. Yeah, yeah, right? in the corner in the wall. Or and corner. these are stacked on top of each other. There are 20 vendors in one tiny little space. Yeah. Um, and these are, these are perhaps, you know, the most interesting vendors, like some of the younger yeah. up-and-coming entrepreneurs who haven't, you know, obviously allocated their budgets mm-hmm. for advertising and the booth display. And... So, you know, we, we as a company kind of moved in between these worlds of not having a booth, being in a tiny booth on the outskirts, and then being involved in a larger booth that's more prominently placed. There's also a location in, in NADA. That yeah. It has a main thoroughfare, and it's better to be in certain places than others, mm-hmm. high traffic areas. And, and that's, well, it's hard to interrupt, but a, a thought about that is, you know, it, it used to be this way. I don't know if it's still this way, but at NADA, there was sort of a pecking order. Yeah. based on how long you've been going to the event mm-hmm. versus where you might find yourself like centrally located. Yeah. So in some ways you can get a little bit lucky, mm-hmm. like you may be next to a larger um, a larger company, so you have a good booth traffic. Yeah. In some ways you can be unlucky, like when you're early on, this is your first, you're within your first five years where you may be in the corner of the room where no one's actually walking past. They're not just, so yeah. It can be a crapshoot in that way, which, 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 which makes it difficult. And then my second point was, we were also incredibly fortunate at Dashboard Dealership Enterprises because we were able to partner with a larger um, firm, actually a services firm. And, and um, how, how did you accomplish that? I mean, was it just through known contacts? Did they did they find you? Did you find them? I mean, yeah, you don't me, have to go into let, detail. Let I'm me just get curious. into that, but let me yeah. just say, generally speaking, that may be a, you know one of your best bets is to form some sort of alliance, strategic alliance with yeah, another business. Yeah. Um, or partnership so that you don't have to play that lottery game or you don't have to wait many years to become sort of in a high foot traffic area and to get a lot of um, notoriety in your booth. Because, you know, Josh just said some of the most interesting owner operators are maybe stuck in those five by five booths. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a great and compelling product, but it's, it's that, you know, um, if a tree falls in the forest, you know, and no one's around, does it make a sound, right? Mm-hmm, so, you, mm-hmm. you know, you maybe you haven't spent your marketing budget wisely in that case. So definitely, if you can, spending time to find the right partners to get your message out is probably the fastest. It's probably the best way to fast track success at NADA. And then I'll, I'll let Josh mm-hmm. um, kind of fo- take the focus of your, ne- your follow-up question. Well, well, I would actually go into... You know, when I go to NADA nowadays, that's the first place I go is to the smaller vendors mm-hmm. who are in the outskirts or on the outskirts. Yeah. Uh, to me, they're the future, right? Mm-hmm. They are they are the, the companies that are going to rule the industry. The 20, next big booth twenty years in, from in, now. In a few years. Yeah. Whereas you know the giant the giant players that everybody knows Reynolds and Reynolds, and you know Cars dot com, mm-hmm. uh, and CDK Global and Cox. These everyone knows who these guys are. Yeah. And they're selling, you know, very similar thing to the, to what they were selling before. Um, the the smaller vendors, the innovative vendors, they're interesting to me, 
And the problem for them is that they're not necessarily interesting to the dealers, right? So the dealers are the main customer of the show. They're never going to go to those small booths, or very few of them will. Mm -hmm. So being, uh, you know, kind of on the outskirts is not actually that good for for a vendor. It's interesting interesting for someone like me. I'm a nerd, though, right? I like Well, I would say differently, Josh. I would say that you're an entrepreneur who's thinking about the future right? and having been through this process where you were at this, in the smallest booth selling to very few dealers and going all the way to a point where you're acquired by one of these companies that has a large booth space and is spending many millions of dollars at the show. You've kind of been through that entire cycle mm-hmm. and, and I've been through that, through that entire cycle and what interests you and I is potentially finding um, some of those diamonds in the rough. Yeah. So to speak. Well, and, and so, I mean, obviously we've, we've spent quite a bit of time talking about like uh, as a vendor in particular, how to spend your time. It's not always just about trying to lure in dealers, but a lot of times it's just networking with other vendors because they're going to be a, a source lead. Josh and I used to say, and I think a lot of folks said this to be, found this to be true, but ven- Sunday was really the vendor day. Yeah. So by yeah. the time, you know, Friday and back, this is when it's a Friday, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday type of event. Mm-hmm. I think they're changing the dates this year so that it's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So actually Monday would, would be, be the, would be the vendor, the vendor day, day in yeah. 2020. But really a lot of the dealers have kind of flown out, you know, Sunday mm-hmm. evening and, and you're not going to get a lot of deals from dealers mm-hmm. on Sunday. So if you have, that's the time where you become kind of unchained. Yeah. And you get away from your booth, and, and you start to look for um, business development opportunities. Yeah, so you're collaboration. Gonna want, yeah, collaboration, mm-hmm. or someone who has a compelling product that's in a similar space. Josh and I, when we were operating Dashboard, we often found that, you know, those companies who maybe one would consider to be our competitors mm-hmm. weren't really ever our competitors because the market was so wide. There's, you know, roughly 16,000 dealerships, yeah. um, car, new cars and trucks. Um, and we were had such a small percentage of market penetration that we could operate oftentimes with our competitors without really competing too hard. Yeah. Uh, and then we found that in some cases we could come up with other ideas, other ventures mm-hmm. with those competitors where we had a the sum of our knowledge of the industry and the reach in, in the industry was, is really um, a multiplier. Yeah. So working with some of the other vendors that were maybe not direct competitors, but close types of products or similar types of products mm-hmm. was something that we found to be fruitful. Yeah. We had um, sales agreements and we had other things in place where we could leverage some other companies to help get our message and our software out there in a larger way. And it's very efficient to do it at an ADA. For example, in 2016, mm-hmm. that was a year where our company um, signed a lot of data agreements with other DMS companies, that is, uh, to acquire the data <clears throat> from the software ma- vendors. like, like Directly a, versus through yeah. the, the dealership themselves. Right, the larger you. DMS companies, we already talked about them, Reynolds and Reynolds, CDK, Dealer Track. Uh, Automate, Autosoft, Dominion, Adam, all these different um, DMS companies. Which, by the way, in a future episode, we'll yeah. we'll do a whole breakdown of all the DMS companies. We'll talk about yeah. Go ahead. Josh. We'll talk about them. And, and you, you know, us walking around in, in this year, I'm referencing 2016, going from DMS company to DMS company, just walking to their booth, signing up for their data program, making mm-hmm. a deal on the spot. Um, it's way more efficient and easier than doing it you know, over months at a time after the show. Mm-hmm. So it's just very efficient to be able to talk 
directly to both your customers and your partners and your rivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a marathon event, the NADA show. So you, you start off, you know, on a Thursday typically, and you'll go to some uh, parties and, you know, uh, introduction, introductory networking events. The OEMs, which are the manufacturers uh, of the vehicles, mm-hmm. they'll have dealer meetings. There's a lot of preparatory uh, meetings and events that go on right before the show starts. And then there's a three-day exposition. Mm-hmm. That's where all the vendors are selling their products in the booths to the dealers who all come in, and that's three days. Mm-hmm. And typically on most of the nights of the show, there are very large parties that are uh, sponsored by some of the larger companies in the industry, mm-hmm. usually the larger DMS companies like I mentioned before, and then some of the manufacturers like Audi, um, you know, we'll, we'll throw big parties for all the dealers. And, and so to, to kind of go down that road a little bit, I mean, uh, one of the, the topics that I definitely wanted to bring up was uh, how do you compete with the big companies? And, and I think to an extent, you both have said this to, an, to you know, different degree, is that you don't really try to compete with them directly. You follow your niche. You figure out what you have to offer that the big companies don't, and you really double down on it. Um, and are you talking about competing at NADA with the big companies, or are you talking about in general? I think it, I think it comes back to both. I mean, you know, like kind okay. of that fake it till you make it mentality at NADA would come from, oh, hey, here's what we have to offer that no one else, you know, like you really want to make a show Well, at I NADA. think it's, it's the simplest way to answer it is it's specialization. Mm-hmm. So the large companies oftentimes are trying to be everything to the dealer. Yeah. Right? So, and, and in some cases, there are certain parts of their offerings that maybe aren't up to a, a certain level mm-hmm. of quality. So if you're specialized within within a certain area of dealership utility, um, that's going to really differentiate between between those larger companies. So when you think about it in terms of product or in terms of running your business, it's specialization. And I think the same way that when you're speaking to them personally um, on the showroom floor or at these various events, it's just offering that you're a specialist mm-hmm. in a certain area and that you've, you've, you know, you have a, a better widget um, for mm-hmm. doing what they're doing currently, whether it's with one of these large companies or they're doing it on their own. So here's a question that, that you guys brought up that I, I'd like to ask from each of you individually. Um, you, you, you mentioned talking to rivals and, and, and in, you know, kind of conversing with them at NADA and maybe outside of it after this. But can you tell me, like, how a conversation like that goes successful versus didn't go successful, like, like kind of both, um, and, and how you should approach it from, uh, like, like, should you be welcoming? Should you be very, just don't talk to them? Like, like you know, I, you I get what I'm it, getting it really, at? Like, I'll, I'll touch on it briefly. I'll just say that it really has to do more with your counterpart than mm-hmm. really yourself as far as it being successful or not successful. Okay. In other words, we felt always open-minded and we always believed that, um, you know, rather than harvesting and hiding ideas to just push ideas out there and if, if it were the right idea, um, we would be successful with it no matter what we said or did. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, there are certain, you know, um, contacts within, within the space who are, are just not that way from a mindset yeah. perspective, and you're not going to have success. Yeah, and you can pretty quickly ascertain if that's true or false. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, then the best recommendation is just to move on. Yeah, don't you know, don't to, even try. Yeah, just, just you know you you've, you've worry about yourself. You've reached out, and it's it's probably not going to happen. And then others, you know, who have identified the same thing that we can all be very successful mm-hmm. in this space, and that potentially together we can become even more successful. 
then, you know, go ahead and start to talk about sales agreements and, and, and ways that your businesses can operate together successfully. Okay. Yeah, ultimately, ultimately um, the, the people who are displaying their products at NADA are entre- entrepreneurs. Yeah. Not everyone in the booth is an entrepreneur. but That's true. Yeah. Um, the people that created those companies that are sponsoring the booth mm-hmm. are entrepreneurs. And it's always good to network with other entrepreneurs, whether or not you're friends with them or bitter rivals. It's always good to at least um, you know, know who they are and find out more about them. Yeah. Um, and to become the family that people are in the industry. It is a family. It's a small mm-hmm. group of, there's only about four or 500 of these companies in the industry that are, yeah. that are, you know, worth a damn, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you want to know all of them, you know, for, for good or for bad. Um, yeah. it's also really helpful to know what your rivals are doing. Really helpful. I've, and some of your rivals might want to know what you're doing and that's okay too. Yeah. As long as it doesn't get dirty, which it does sometimes. <laughs> yeah, shows. yeah. I think if I could direct it a little bit, I think as a follow up to that, Josh, be, beyond the rival perspective, mm-hmm. um, you and I went through a unique situation during the acquisition phase. Um, maybe in the the couple years leading up to the point where dashboard dealership was acquired mm-hmm. um, by CDK Global um, in 2017. But prior to that, we had done a couple NADAs where it seemed like our focus beyond getting the dealers, which is always a focus there, was um, sharing our message, sharing our company with possible um, suitors who are looking to purchase the company. Sure. Want to oh, talk? Yeah. About, want to talk about that a little? Yeah. Bit? I mean, so NADA we mentioned is for vendors selling their products to dealers and also networking, but it's also a, a great place for M&A to take yeah. place. So, um, and that is vendors who are going to sell their company to a larger player or, mm-hmm. or an investor um, equity firm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge part of, of what's going on. So the industry is consolidating. Um, also dealers are buying other dealers. Yeah. <laughs> At a the lot. show, so there's a lot of yeah. mergers and acquisitions going on there, mm-hmm. uh, because the industry, as William said before, is consolidating. There's more corporate money involved. There's more Wall Street money involved, and you know the best place to do these types of deals or to create the origins of these deals are at this show. Um, no, something that just came to mind in you kind of talking about the murders and the, you know, uh, just the, the, the community. Did he say I really murders? haven't seen... Um, it sounded like he said murders. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you... you <laughs> I haven't the actually people, heard the, of The that winners happening. and losers. How about okay. that? You know, the winners yeah. and losers of any show and the or any deal. murders and acquisitions. <laughs> yeah. Murders. You know, I, I have heard Mer-gers. of a couple of really bad deals. I was going to say, we could have accepted one of the earlier deals that might have been an M&A, like a murders and acquisition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes when, when you're in a rough spot, I, I can, yeah. you know, but, uh, yeah, no, mergers, my, my no, apologies. Okay, sorry. Um, the winners and losers uh, of those deals. I really haven't seen a presence of uh, Tesla at NADA. Have you guys seen them at all? Well, that, that's because NADA is the direct enemy of Tesla. Okay. And they, they hate them with every... Fiber there. So do you think they're just like not invited? They're never or? never invited. So do, it's it's for dealers. Yeah. So the Tesla huh? model, if we'll and we'll get into maybe an entire show devoted to the Tesla model. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, it's a dealerless model. It's a direct to consumer model. Tesla would like to destroy an ADA, like obliterate them. Correct. Yeah. They know no middleman, just straight to you. Yes. And the mm-hmm. same thing with I mean, there's 
So NADA is an organization, they, are, they were created to combat people like Tesla or groups like Tesla. Um, that is their, their original stated purpose. It's not oh. actually to have a bunch of people show up in a room and sell software products and other services to each other to feed the, the dealer network, although that's helpful. Yeah. The original purpose of NADA was to create a legislative lobbying group yeah. of powerful owners, the dealers, yeah. to stop things that are going to threaten their business, their entire way of life. So okay. uh, the biggest threat to a dealer isn't Tesla. It's actually the manufacturers going direct, selling direct, which has yeah. happened about four or five times. Hmm. And it's always failed because the dealers do a better job in financing and handling a trade-in. They do you know, service to service the vehicle, sell parts, and create a sense of you know, a customer in the community. Yeah. Um, the the manufacturers can't do that, or they yeah. haven't been able to to do all that. And maybe you can say that they could, but I mean, servicing the vehicle and um, you know representing the customer with warranties. Yeah. And being able to to provide value in the sales experience, mm-hmm. right? And and obviously the financing and taking a trade in because yeah. everyone's got a trade in. The, the, these bar, big manufacturers can't handle all that infrastructure well, and the customer yeah, sales and the customer... Too customers. many steps, too many... There's so many. Yeah. And then the entire... The NADA floor that we were talking about, those 500 companies that are selling aftermarket products, mm-hmm. it's all geared around this dealership network, which is incredibly complex and vast. Mm-hmm. And the manufacturers for over 100 years have underestimated all those things that go into a successful sales and service and you know, serving the customer the right way. Yeah. And so that's why they've failed traditionally. However, Tesla has come along yeah. and they've sort of cracked the nut, so to speak. They yeah. have their own service model. Mm-hmm. They have their own financing it's model. Not working yeah. correctly yet, but <laughs> yeah. eventually they may get it right. But they've, they're a major threat. And that's why it actually brings up another topic of an ADA, which is in the last few years... Companies like Facebook and Google are, and Amazon are now coming to NADA, whereas previously it was, it was definitely, you saw Microsoft do a partnership with a small DMS company yeah. and create a database product. That would be, you know, that'd be there once in a while. But generally speaking, Silicon Valley was not present yeah. in, in NADA in the, in the, the floor. Um, and that's completely changing. Yeah. So you're going to see more Silicon Valley money flowing into the show, and you're going to see these companies have a booth at some point. They don't have a booth yet, right? I don't believe that. Have you seen do. a Google booth? I have I'm, not. The only thing I've ever seen as far as that goes is uh, I stopped by a couple booths that were powered by them. So okay. like it was like a right. product of theirs that they were presenting, but not them as a whole. Well, I think... Does that make sense? I, I think so, and I think it also leads me down a pathway, which is... You know, we touched on Tesla a little bit. We touched on Silicon Valley and maybe mm-hmm. even like Amazon and this direct consumer model. Yeah. Where is this going? You know, in five years from now, how different is NADA going to be? Yeah. And maybe some predictions. Maybe, Josh, if you had some predictions for us over the next five years, where, where are we headed? You mean with the show itself? With the show itself, I think. And as a result, obviously, it would be as a result of what's happening to the dealership model potentially. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the show will look and feel the same. I really do. However, the, the some of the players who are there today won't be there 
in five years. So, mm-hmm. and I, I think you will have companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon. I think they will have large presence at the show. Interesting. Um, I think that the smaller companies that are have been in the periphery, like Carvana, mm-hmm. and some of the new models of car sales for used vehicles, um, some of the subscription companies, they're going to become the titans mm. of the industry in the future. Um, and all the people that are helping the dealers get a new sales model, because the sales model is yeah. changing. Yeah. And, and, it, and it may even be dying, right? Well, I, but it, it's going to be a direct sales An adaptation. Situation. Yeah, they're going to have to adapt for yeah. sure. Yeah. So you'll have a direct uh, dealer-to-consumer experience where the consumer doesn't have to come into the store. Mm-hmm. And so all of the things that surround that is what will reflect with NADA. All the, if you look around right now, the services at the show, you know, half of the things at the show are related to the service department and the body shop and yeah. physical <laughs> things to buy. The dealership wants yeah. to buy a, a fan right. yeah. for their service bay. Uh, there's tons of physical... Ways of clipping up their sign, their yeah. signage in an instant. I mean, yeah, you see yeah. that all over the place. And that's mm-hmm. still going to be popular, but the software vendors are also out there to help improve um, the efficiency of, say, the parts department mm-hmm. or advertising or yeah. you know some sort of reporting tool. Like we had a reporting tool to help people have a better idea of how to run their business and make changes to their business real time. So yeah. just to interrupt you really quickly, like yeah. the focus of lo- a lot of the software tools, it seems, is to get the funnel of customers to get into the dealership. Right. Right. Yeah. However, five years from now, the focus of the software tools will probably not be to get deal- uh, to get customers into the dealership. Yeah. It'd be to get those sales. It'd be to get the service deals. However, the first, you know, the first step in that process isn't getting those folks into the dealership. Yeah. It's not really needed that they come into the dealership. Well, they just need well, to sign up for Google. So, well, I mean, that, that's another thing is Google is going to take over the funneling of customers to a dealership and dealers learning how to use Google yeah. and Facebook in a way they don't currently know how to use. So you'll get yeah. also all sorts of um, consulting companies. There's some really good um, – there's a gentleman who's doing a really good job of that, um, I believe, on the East Coast. Oh, yeah, Brian Benstock. Brian Benstock. So, yeah, yeah, Paragon he's... Acura, Honda. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, him and a few others are kind of models of how a dealership is going to operate in the future, which yeah. is you know a heavy reliance on Google and Facebook to bring in traffic. Mm-hmm. And also selling cars online from start to finish, which is also something that Asbury Automotive, which is a very large dealership group yeah. in the United States, they are doing direct online sales. And they're taking away kind of the customer comes into the dealership and their salesperson runs over to them uh, and shows them the cars and they go sit in the room and do the transaction. That's all going to be obliterated in five years, in my opinion. And the NADA show is going to reflect that. Yeah. And the dealers are going to go to the show looking for companies and vendors that can help them make that transformation. Because mm-hmm. that's what the show is all about, is about surviving and adapting. And that's going to be the challenge of the next five years for sure. Well, and, and you bring up an interesting subject that I, you know, like when you think about um, automating these sales online, they deliver the car. You never even have to go to a dealership anymore, you know. Um, that brings in, I mean, I would imagine the increase in returns and that process having to be innovated as well. You know, I mean, because returning a car, I mean, just, just to buy a car takes a ton of paperwork and everything. And then now you got to think you have to reverse all that and go backwards and pick up. And I would be interested to, to see, like, 
how they've handled that. Um, well, Carvana uh, already did it. So, I mean, the, the funny thing is that this has just been finished, like executed very well. Carvana yeah. is a perfect example of how to do a trade-in uh, over the internet. And well, trade in, but I mean, yeah. like, what if you Returning bought a new car, well, didn't like it because you me, never drove it? Let me oh, touch. Like let me touch on that. I'll touch on that a little bit. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that that maybe fear isn't warranted. Mm-hmm. I think that many years ago, you know, you weren't exactly sure what you're getting until you turned the car on and you drove it for a second yeah. and you played with the radio. I think now because the vehicle experience is so standardized, okay. that you're. I'm like, for example, if I were to buy, I don't know, name a car, a Ford Focus or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever cars oh, out there. I don't, I don't even know what car it is, but whichever car, I'd kind of know what I was getting into. And I think the likelihood that I was going to return a car today versus the likelihood that I would have returned a car like 10, 20 years ago when the when there was a higher variance yeah. among the builds, it's very low. And that's what they have the warranties for, especially for new yeah. car. If you have yeah. a problem with your new car, you get use your warranty and it's free. Yeah, you yeah. So, fixed or, or exchanged, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't see that as the big problem. Okay. No, I mean, um, all right, so let's let's circle back and let, let's just imagine that you're a, a new company coming in. Maybe you do, maybe you don't have a booth. Um, but, but how do you prepare for NADA effectively? Well, you want to have a – you want to have an outreach campaign to all of your customers – uh, in your com- who do business with your company mm-hmm. and let them know where you're going to be if you have a booth. Yeah. Let them know the booth number. Give them a little idea of where you're near, right? Because mm-hmm. unless you're unless you're Reynolds and Reynolds <laughs> or Cox Automotive, no one yeah. may find your booth. Yeah. Because um, there are 500 booths, so you want to let them know where you are. Mm-hmm. You want to send out a message to people that compels them to come to your booth. So maybe Campaigns. you're offering some sort of deal on your on your service or software piece or product mm-hmm. um, that they can only get that deal if they see you in person yeah. at NADA. Yeah. That's a good hook. I mean it's kind of the obvious I would add hook. if you're done there. I am. Okay. I would add plan plan your time effectively. Yeah. Um, what happens that weekend generally is there seemingly is so much going on that you can never get to all of the things that you'd like to do. Yeah. So for those things that ha- that should be your priority Make sure that though that you've planned your time to get to those things because oftentimes you can you know folks who've done sales um, for small companies know that there are a lot of different avenues that can sidetrack you. Yeah. Um, but you want to stay focused on the outcomes that you're hoping to generate from the show. Mm-hmm. So plan your time and also you know make make the time for your best customers. Make the time for the people that are important to your business today, not just the new sales. Because yeah. you you know, you know, can turn a customer who's subscribing to your product from a one-year customer to a five-year customer with yeah. just a little bit of FaceTime, just each year, just spending a little bit of time and sharing your message, sharing with them what's new. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I, as a small business that I can't you know, state as important enough. Yeah. But that's to spend time with your your biggest fans because yeah. that's going to really strengthen your relationship and make it, you know, a, a much longer engagement. No, and, and I think this is, uh, NADA is a great place to, to meet with those people because they're going to give you your next idea or and or your next fix, you know, because they're yeah. using your product openly. Well, and so they're going to say, oh, you know, I really wish... I have a lot to say about that because... Yeah. A lot of my time during, you know, the 15 years with Dashboard Dealership Enterprises and going to these NADA events, I was responsible for creating the product. Mm-hmm. But without hearing some of the stories, you know, you, you want to do yeah. that amazing new feature where it's like you've changed the entire product and you've done all these different 
really cool, cutting-edge things with the technology. But sometimes when you talk to your actual clients, they say, we don't use the tool at all like that. We do this with the tool. And you never even considered that they were using the tool in that way. Yeah. So you start to hear the stories from the boots on the ground, the folks who are really using it. And they say, if you could just do these five things... Yeah. And you're like, geez, we could be done with those five things in like less than 30 days and yeah. they'd be incredibly happy users. Um, and that would translate to the entire user base. So what's, you know, you really have to use the time also to listen mm-hmm. to the users of your product and, and get, the re- get, get the real stories because not yeah. everyone uses a tool in the way that you intend yeah. or the way that you've, you wrote it up in the design room. Yeah. The actual, you know, in the field use case is oftentimes different. Well, and, and yeah, you bring up a great you know, topic that could be an entire different podcast, which is, you know, kind of that Apple model versus everyone else. Uh, You only need to do a certain amount of things really well and better than everyone else to remain absolutely relevant, if not at the top of the the game. Um, You know, really find what you do best and double, triple, quadruple down on it. Uh, Because if you're always innovating, always changing, that annoys people. Like, oh, why'd you change that? I got used to it the other way. Or, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Responding to, to dealer criticism of, a, yeah. of your product is essential. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we ran our company as, you know, essentially a services company. And mm-hmm. we had a product in this reporting system. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially we were a services company. And dealers are incredibly um, demanding when it comes to servicing products that are sold to them. And, and I think it's only right that they are. Yeah. Uh, that's not a criticism of the dealers. But mm-hmm. the great thing about dealers is they, they tell you what they think. Yeah. And they're very direct because they're selling cars to people mm-hmm. themselves. So they're they're in that same business. Um, yeah. So I always found that hearing the critical feedback of, of my product was essential for us to be successful. Yeah. Um, and also to hear any sort of criticisms about how we were servicing the product, not just the product itself, but how did we operate, you know, as, as a customer service team? Yeah. And how can we, how can we improve? And I think to add to that, Josh, is if you have the ability to bring those folks who are working with the dealers directly along with you. Yeah. So for example, you've got a great support staff member who speaks with, you know, 25% 25% of your client base every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a great idea for you to have that person at the show mm-hmm. and let them meet and spend some face time with their actual clients yeah. and, and help kind of um, reinforce their positive relationship. Because mm-hmm. just, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes in person is worth, you know, hundreds of hours on, on those calls. Yeah, I could go off on that subject quite a bit. but um... And I'll say something about, you know, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this podcast yeah it is a you know as william said it's a chess game because you want to go meet uh the dealers at mm-hmm. the networking events you want to sell to them on the native showroom floor at your booth mm-hmm. you want to be at your booth you don't even want to go go out for lunch sometimes <laughs> you yeah, wanna, because yeah. you if you're an entrepreneur you need to sell yeah and this is the three-day window or actually more of a two-day window because the dealers all leave on sunday mm-hmm. for the third day so you need to have, you know, maximum time in your booth for those two main days of the show mm-hmm. selling because that's the lifeblood of your company is selling your product. Yeah. But you also need to go talk to some of the vendors and do networking with them because some of the most important things for your company could be a non-dealer related conversation. Yeah. So you have to constantly shift 
in your brain between what you're doing. Yeah, well, um, and I think to to that point, and, and William's point, you need to bring a team where you can kind of focus what your goals, what each person's goal, because as a single person doing that, I mean, you know, I would I would argue after day one of the event, and it's your first time there, um, you know, sit back and assess what you've done and what, what you got done in day one and what's what's actually achievable for day two and or three, um, and, and re, reassess your list, uh, William. Like, like you were saying, you want to go in with a priority list, but that might change when you're there. Sure, and, and some more practical advice on that same topic is, you know, you see a lot of folks there and, and they're gung-ho about being there on day one mm-hmm. um, and day one and a half, yeah. but by day two, they're pretty worn down they're and burnt. tired. Yeah. And I would say, you know, especially in Las Vegas and depending on where you're at, <laughs> You know, party on your own time if you're an entrepreneur. If you want to go party in Las Vegas, that's a separate trip. Yeah. Um, if, and you go to the networking events, but it doesn't mean to stay up until 3 in the morning when you've got to be up at 7 a.m. the next day. Yeah. Um, you want to be your best, you know, for that time on the showroom floor. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the sign of a mature kind of business leader yeah. is to be at your best and not to kind of, you know, you see some of the entrepreneurs or some other folks in the industry and they're at their best at 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. You know, yeah, at, at, yeah. at the club or at the party. Yeah, and where was this guy when I was right, at the event? Sure, yeah, yeah. Sure. Now he's so, the life of the party. So I would say as you're prioritizing and planning out your, your event, you know, definitely focus on, on the important part of why, the reasons why you're there. And sometimes, you know, you're saying have a team, but sometimes you don't have a team. So well, that's we, true. we started out, we didn't, we were the team. Yeah. So, right. you know, that's why you have to plan. If you have a team, then plan the team's yeah. moves. If you're all by yourself or you have a small group of people, it gets more challenging, which yeah. is why you have to you have to become a curator of your time. Yeah. And you have to look at your watch and you have to make choices. Um, so it's 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 very important to plan it all out. So then let's let's kind of let's say the events happened, you've done the work that you could and everything. Um, how do you how do you guys suggest ending the show like i mean obviously you do need to reach out to all the people you got in contact all the, you know like uh, how do you organize that method or what method do you use rather like you know? a recap like of the show follow up and what, oh, okay. what after up, the show through, after I mean, the show what what are your priorities do, you know do you email them right away it's do you like wait, dating you, right like yeah you exactly that's kind of what i was <laughs> i always would never email anyone right away because that's yeah. the most annoying thing in the world right yeah is to immediately get bombarded as you're getting back to your office get an email day. at midnight that same day you met them and you're like Whoa. <laughs> it's a little too need, needy i mean <laughs> yeah, the yeah. sale the world of sales mm. Is an interesting there, psychological world. There are books world. written on this yeah. topic. Right? <laughs> There's probably like 20 yeah. shows about right. how to sell right. someone. Yeah. Especially a product like ours, which was a fairly complex software product that would go into a dealer group and it would be implemented. Nice over. to have, but not needed, not essential. Right. right? Yeah. Which, which makes the selling process a little bit more difficult. And it also means that you might have to be a little bit more nuanced about the way that you approach that that sale. Yeah. Because, you know, if you've got a high value proposition and a must-have product, then go after it as, as hard as you possibly can. When you've got a product that's more of a nice-to-have, prestige, boutique-type product, I think that your selling style has to fit that product. Yeah. yeah. Or a product, in my opinion, our product was always a need-to-have, although it can be categorized as nice to have it just the dealers didn't know it oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right so i mean that's the whole that's the whole thing right, right. is is figuring out if you, if it's pretty popularly known that you know a dealer needs to be convinced mm-hmm. to want your product mm. then you need to play a little bit more hard to get so you need to 
Wait a couple of days. Yeah. You know, yeah. Have a conversation with the person. And I'll right? give you my, my feedback. It's not related about the time spent between when you email them, all that sort. Everyone has their own personal selling style. Yeah. And so in whatever's successful for you, you yeah. know, use that methodology. But I think it's about if you've established a personal rapport with someone. Yeah. Um, don't send them that form email and change the change the yeah, recipient. Yeah, make it more personal. You know, you bring up something that you talked about, mm-hmm. and you're likely to get a response at least from from that next contact point. If you if you're pasting and mass sending stuff, I think that you're looking to fail. I would never email anyone. I would always call them. That was yeah. my method. I would yeah. always call them on the phone, have a conversation, and and then the the thing about my sales method was I would just be persistent. So mm-hmm. the first time they told me, call me back in a couple of months, I literally would. Yeah. Right? Yeah, put it on your calendar, <laughs> set an alert, yeah, yeah. whatever you got to do. And because I think it's all about timing. And mm-hmm. and if this person didn't say no, then to me They're that was open. a fantastic outcome. Mm-hmm. I was very happy with some, some sort of lukewarm response. And I think that where Josh really excelled is he, he was able to – make it not only about the product, but about something else. He could identify with a client if they liked baseball or if they mm-hmm. were, you know, predisposed to some political, you know, beliefs or, or, or something for that person yeah. um, and make the conversation tangentially about those other things so that the person was more inclined to talk and mm-hmm. spend time and have that next meeting. Because we've all been in situations where someone's just purely trying to sell us on a product and there's nothing personal yeah. in that conversation. And I think that you just have a lot better results mm-hmm. if you take it back. Ultimately, we're in software business, but it's still about the people. Yeah, And yeah. you, you want to do business with someone that you enjoy spending time with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in that way, you know, if you're doing it well at NADA, you're, you're getting into the personal side with people and talking about things organically, not just about pure business. Um, And when you follow up and when you continue the conversation, you should also include that. Okay. And the the other key is to have to write very detailed notes right after the show. So what I would do is when I get on the plane or the first day back, I would write as much information as I could put on paper or remember on my computer about each individual person I met even if they were not as important to me at the time as they may have thought, um, just to write a ton of detail about each person and each contact and then yeah. go back to it later. Yeah. Uh, because you forget a lot of the small details. And you That's might true. think that you can remember it all of it, but you can't. Um, yeah. Even so taking even, notes is really important. Even so much as to say we had this this you know yeah. part of the conversation to remind them as well. Or, sure. You know, yeah, and half the time you don't get someone's card Right, that's, that's another right. kind of secret. People run out of cards. Secret NADA is yeah. people don't give out cards. They don't want to. You yeah. scan badges, and it's actually kind of hard to, to collect information sometimes. Yeah. So, although asking for even their names, you can go to LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. That's that's another trick that I would that's do. True. It's not really a trick, but I would just say like, "Oh, hey, look, look me up on LinkedIn." That's yeah. And, and, Keep and, and, it really light, right? So it's not so much of like a predator. Well, then What's they get to kind of see your <laughs> professional world in that way as well. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you like just need their meetings. name. You don't need to have this whole formal, can you give me your card? Again, it's like dating, right? Yeah. You don't need to have this whole kind of awkward moment. You can just say like, hey, here's my name. You know, just look me up. Yeah. yeah. If you want to or then vice versa. All right. So, William, any final thoughts, anything about NADA that, that stuck out during this conversation or anything you wanted to, to retouch or 
any final advice for people going to this event uh, that have either succeeded, haven't succeeded, first time, anything? Yeah, a few, and maybe more on the humorous side, you know, uh-huh. um, well, maybe not humorous, depending on, but get a, get a suit. Don't just have that oh, one black yeah. suit that you've been wearing for the past, for the past five years, right? Yeah. Me for every, the every, shows, right? yeah. <laughs> at least once a year, that's your opportunity to have that business expense and buy yourself a, a suit Yeah, and, you know, and you know, look well-groomed and yeah. rested. Yeah. I will say though, to that point, when I went, you find that a lot of the highest up people are the least dressed. Well, I think that's true in, in like, you, you look for entrepreneurs and you see them, you know, wearing hoodies and, and, and puffy jackets and, and, and these, mm-hmm. you know, I think the the best, guy, they've the stopped, best, they've the stopped best. trying to impress. I am, I need to be impressed now. Or, I yeah. think that, yeah, sort of, and, and there's this saying, I don't know if this is a real saying or just partially a saying, but you know, you see the guys in the suit and ties and they're working for someone and they're mm-hmm. usually working for the guy who's wearing sweats. Yeah, And uh, the funniest story that I have about that is when we were in our M&A phase, we had a pretty high-powered um, broker working with us, um, and he showed up to NADA, and he was wearing shorts mm-hmm. um, and, and a, a sweater wrapped around, draped on his shoulders. And for, you know, for us, we looked at him and said, what are you doing? Yeah. But as we walked past the booths, I'll tell you that those folks that were working in the booths, they looked at him with this, like he had a dollar bill or dollar sign above his head because he just looked like he had a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> would, yeah. The fact that he was wearing shorts was, and no one else was, he yeah. just, it seemed that way. So, I mean, appearance you is important somewhat, right? You know, but it's, it's not. It's a different it's level. If you're going to show up with shorts, you got to be, you got to be. <laughs> you're not looking to sell to everybody. No, it's basically a giant fuck you <laughs> to <laughs> everyone. kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. And that yeah. works sometimes, which is fine. Uh-huh. If you're going to send that message. Yeah. My, okay. my trick was always to show up, you know, right at when the beginning of the show, I would walk in, I would turn my badge around since people couldn't see who I was. I would sneak right Forces into the... Forces an interaction. I would point. sneak into the Cox Automotive booth, drink their coffee. Yeah. So I would get all the free goodies from all the different <laughs> booths. And because they don't really want you to go there if you're a vendor. Yeah. And But you really need that coffee. <laughs> In the oh, morning, yeah, you could go spend you know twenty minutes waiting on the line that's like a hundred people deep. Yeah, uh, so those are my little tricks. Maybe go. go getting free coffee at some of the booths. I would. Yeah. Do, I, I I'm going to do this this year. I do it every single year. Yeah. You know, here's another trick. I guess if we're talking <laughs> tips and tips tricks, and, and tricks. that's a good that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> the other thing is, as an entrepreneur, to kind of go around to the other booths and sort of talk to the dealers who are at other booths. Yeah. Because you can be looking at the same software product together and ask them what they like about this software if they use that software. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily, you're not necessarily going for a sale. Maybe you're just going for a connection where Josh was saying, oh, look me up on LinkedIn. I'm this guy. And you're playing sort of the long game yeah. with some of these connections because you, you're not you know, a predator who's trying to just separate them from their money for your product. Yeah. You're basically trying to just talk to people and get to know them a little bit. So oftentimes if you're at your own little small booth, that's very hard to do. Yeah. Um, but if you're at another larger booth and there's a crowd of folks looking at a presentation, mm-hmm. um, it, it's easy to strike up a conversation. And a lot of dealers want to talk and they want to tell you why they like this product or why they don't like another product or what they're really looking for at the show. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a good, good way to do it. Anything else? I think we, we've. Uh, I think we, we've done. We've talked we've done a lot about in, the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward. Is it? What are the dates? What are the exact dates this uh, year? I believe it's February 
14th to the 17th. Those are the those are the the show dates. And it's in Las Vegas. Las Vegas. And yeah. okay. Excellent. All right. Nice. Well, thank you hard. very much, guys. Hopefully, been... we see some of you folks there. And yeah, no. my name is William Page. Um, I will not have a booth there, um, but I will be walking the floor just to have a look at the outskirts and see what's new and exciting. Yeah. Um, Josh, I'm Josh Blick, and I will be walking the floor. It's it's always been my dream to actually have a booth that is empty. <laughs> William and I have always talked about this. This is kind of this <laughs> just, is kind just of, an empty booth. This just is to... just kind of a silly NADA dream. But yeah. Just having a booth that has nothing in it. Just like one guy in a chair at a desk. Yeah. Just no, no signage. Spark up a conversation. See no what signage. Yeah. Just completely mysterious. Yeah. I think that's almost like wearing shorts. <laughs> it's the same thing. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm above could, it all. We could know? give the dealers money instead right. of do the, give back. Yeah, just give money to yeah. dealers, right? I'm sure they would love it. Oh, man. Well, there actually is a, there's a recreational... Symposium where the dealers go and get massages and yeah, yeah. care packages and uh, there's a whole part of the NADA experience. Experience, yeah. I've so seen if you're that. bringing your wife or girlfriend or a significant other, it's not just this you know gearhead three day grind. You can also have some fun there. And there's, there's things to do for that aren't work related. There's also a large thing that we left out, which is the dealer academy and all right. the learning events for That's the dealers. That's true. Yeah, they do so all the different. I think we gave you a really good perspective from a vendor, um, what, what we're seeing at the shows. Mm-hmm. But from a dealer, there's a whole, you know, the whole other half of this is that there are training events and seminars and things to help them operate their business yeah. that, that they're, they're going into. Yeah, the spokespeople, there's there's a bunch of, of those types of things going on. The manufacturer meetings. Because usually yeah. if you're, say, a Nissan dealer or a Ford dealer, a major component of the show is to go talk to Ford. Yeah. See what's coming up in the next year. Are they going to have you change some part of your dealership, the, the mm-hmm. marketing or the way that your your shop looks? Yeah. Um, so that's a huge component for them. Isn't isn't just to go buy products, to also hear... Uh, updates about compliance and mm-hmm. you know industry updates like hey are we going to allow Tesla to sell in North Carolina right like there's all these different legislative battles that go on in Washington DC which they want to hear about because it very much affects their business um, and they also hear about things going on in the trade you know NAFTA for example is a huge topic for for dealers every year mm-hmm. um, because some of that will affect whether or not they can sell their products at a certain price. Mm-hmm. So, Good. Yeah. Uh, and I think, well, I think that's a wrap. I think, yeah, I think it's that a wrap. we're looking forward to any questions or comments that you guys have for us about this. We'll definitely respond. Mm-hmm. And looking forward for anyone, you know, to reach out to us with any further questions. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. It's been fun. And we will t- uh, talk to you next time. Yep. Thank you. All right, everybody, that's a wrap. Finally, you made it. Uh, I hope you didn't throw your phone in any bin at any point during the podcast. And if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. If Also, if you're attending the NADA event this year and you'd like to talk to us more, you can contact either Josh or I um, on LinkedIn. We're always responding and we love to communicate uh, very quickly on LinkedIn. Um, or reach out to us in our emails, which will be posted in the show notes below. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for our next podcast and deep dive in our Automotive Insights series. Cheers, everyone, and thank you again.